0: What's up YouTube? I'm Robert and this is the Biker Channel and you are here for episode 43 of the Biker Bar. This is a podcast I run on Sundays at 5 p.m. PST or PDT. You know, I didn't even know there was a difference until until just like a couple months ago or something like that. So it shows you, shows you how how up to speed I am with the rest of the world. Anyways, welcome back, everybody. I know it's been a couple of weeks. I've, I've been gone, had to go down to Southern Arizona, almost Mexico, see my son graduate from his training in the army. That was pretty sick. And I uh, don't remember what I was doing the other weekend, probably just living life. So nonetheless, I'm stoked to be back here and chat with you guys. Today's episode is going to be like a speed round because the guest today has more important things to do like go ride his bike so <laughs> we're going to make sure that we get him off off the uh, the podcast fast enough to be able to do that but in the meantime let's go ahead and uh introduce to him without further ado we have jeff here from worldwide cyclery jeff go ahead and give yourself an introduction
1: Cool. What's up guys? I'm Jeff, the founder of Worldwide Cyclery. Uh, we have a YouTube channel and we sell bike parts on the internet. And if you're watching this, then maybe you know who I am already because of YouTube.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've definitely taken a, a, a front seat to the the uh, social media platform on, on your business. I know whenever I first talk, started talking with you guys a while back, you were kind of hiding behind the curtains back then.
1: Yeah, totally. It's it's definitely been an evolution. I mean, I think a lot of it was just bandwidth. So, I mean, we've been around now for eight and a half years and uh, it's just taken time, right? So, I mean, in the early days, it was just all about fulfilling orders, answering emails, answering phone calls. And, you know, it just takes a while to build out a team before you have the right amount of people that have cameras and editing skills. And it just takes a lot of work to make YouTube videos and even just like be front and center on social media. So once we got enough staff and systems and processes in place and you know, reined in our growth. And then we kind of got more on, on the internet there and got a little more out there for you guys.
0: So you started this business. Um, and please correct me if I'm wrong. This is what I heard as a rumor. And I'd love to know if this is true or not, that originally you started like buying water bottles in bulk and selling them on like Amazon or something like that. Somebody told me.
1: Uh, that's not quite like that. Well, I'll I'll give you the full rundown. So yeah, let's hear it. (laughs) Uh, I've been selling stuff online since I was a kid, right? I I was like really into eBay when I was a little kid, like 12, 13 years old. I used to, uh, just rummage around my parents' house and look for like anything and everything that I could sell on eBay. Uh And it actually worked out well. It was like random stuff. My dad would have gotten from like a white elephant party that he never used or stuff. My mom bought him as a gift and he's just like, Oh, I don't even want that belt. Like, So I would just sell stuff as a kid. Um, So I kind of like learned the ropes there. And then I worked at a local shop um, where I grew up in Newbury Park, California, Michael's Bicycles, awesome little place. And uh, I worked there for a while as like like a young teenager and um, just would still, then I started racing and I would get parts for sponsorship stuff. And then I would sell stuff like that online. And so I'd kind of just like always been dabbling and selling stuff online. And then you know, once I'd worked at that shop and started racing more and getting products for as like as a sponsored racer, selling more bike parts online, and so I kind of like learned the ropes that way. Um, the and then in two thousand nine, I moved to the East Coast and moved out to Pennsylvania to live with the Malali brothers, a um, couple of downhill racers that are pretty well known in the industry. And um, as I was out there, the uh, their dad had this like wholesale account um, with like faucets and home goods and all sorts of stuff like that. And he'd ask me, he's like, "Oh, I heard you were." good at selling stuff on eBay. I could probably get you some product, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, cool, let's do it. And so, <laughs> so I told, um, um, and I've told this story before, so maybe that's where you heard the rumor from. But so I stole a, like a shitload of faucets. Um, uh, okay. Like sink faucets and shower heads and stuff on, on uh-huh. in Amazon, um, like in the off season of racing. And uh, it, was, it was cool, but like, that was the first time I realized like, wow, the internet's a really big place. You can sell a lot of things on here.
0: Right. Um,
1: and, and so, yeah, I, I sold a ton of faucets and, and obviously like eventually I was like, okay, well, you know, it was like, it was like pretty much, um, it was like liquidation stuff. So it was like, uh, products that like Home Depot and Lowe's would overstock on and couldn't sell. And that okay. was getting me and what we were selling. And eventually like that dried up. I realized that I don't want to be a faucet salesman and
0: <laughs> <laughs> you just weren't cut out for it.
1: Yeah, totally. And
0: it's, <laughs> I'm a total
1: bike nerd. I know the bike industry. I know all that. So, you know, I'll just. Try and do that, and so right kind of like the earlier days before the shop was actually like an idea.
0: That's super cool, man. I was wondering what the tie to Pennsylvania was too, because I'm from Pennsylvania. So, whenever you um, went from being a Southern California store to opening in Lancaster, Cal- uh, Pennsylvania, I was like, something, some there has to be a tie there somewhere because yeah. like most people aren't like Lancaster. That's where I'm gonna open up something else at.
1: I know. We, we've got that question like a billion times when it's like, oh, why do you have a location in Lancaster? You know, I mean, uh-huh. it's when you think of like our business rights, e-commerce business, we're shipping products all the time, every day, all day. So the faster we can ship them, the better. So for us, everything shipping out of California just takes a long time. So if it's going to the East Coast, so that's kind of why we opened up out in Pennsylvania. And that shop's been there now for um just over two years and and doing super well like it's it's cut down shipping time like crazy we actually just recently opened up a third location in reno nevada for the same reason just all logistics right like we are just doing everything we can to in our power to like get products to people's doors faster because like in the world of e-commerce today when anyone buys anything online like you kind of just expect it to show up as soon as possible and right
0: right Especially- honest, at a
1: very hard standard that like we're do everything right. we can to match and and just like we're all about customer experience so like if we can open up new locations strategically throughout the country that we can get people their product faster then that's what we do and yeah that's where pennsylvania came from so
0: so yeah. and you guys always have a like a, a shop so to speak as well at your location so totally. i know that's how it is in southern california i'm assuming that's how it is in lancaster and, and reno as well
1: yeah, it is. So, so Lancaster, same thing. It's like full on, it's in a strip mall. So you got a whole retail shop. Um, our shops are very different, obviously, than traditional bike shops. They're kind of like high-end mountain bike boutiques. So that's kind of all we do in service in there is high-end mountain bikes. And uh, we always stock them with demo bikes and then like all sort of latest and greatest stuff. So not kids' bikes, not beach cruisers, very nothing like a normal traditional um bike shop that you've been into um just high-end mountain stuff which is cool and so yeah we, that's what we've been doing in pennsylvania as well and then reno so reno just opened in um just in may and we don't have like the full retail thing built out just yet but we're aiming mm-hmm. that done by like august or september and that's kind of when we're gonna like get more vocal about hey we're in reno our shop's here come visit because right yeah yeah we, the, the first priority with Reno is just like get logistics up and running so we can start getting, you know, shipments out the door faster. And once that's done and the warehouse side of things is done, then we're going to work on like the sort of retail store build out and start stocking it with demo bikes and stuff. So yeah, what the, it's just what, for like August, September on that one.
0: What does Reno do that like Southern California can? It's just that it's like getting you to the PNW faster or the Midwest or.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's actually more to do with the bike industry. So if if people are listening that are like deep in the bike industry, they obviously know QBP, right? So they're a massive distributor that all of the bike shops in the whole country use, and all the online retailers, et cetera. Um, they've got locations placed throughout the country that, again, like they've done that, so they could, you know, make their shipping time as fast as possible. And Reno's become like this hotbed of bike industry stuff. So QBP's there, um, Bti there, another big distributor. Halley's there, another big distributor. Uh, Highway Two, another big distributor. So there's like all of these different big distributors in the bike industry that are there so for us it allows us to just get product into our warehouse faster so that way yeah that makes sense so it's not it's not really proximity per se it's just like all these other bicycle industry distributors are located there and that's right
0: so instead of having to wait for it to get to southern california or to whatever it's like a one day thing when it's coming out of their warehouse into yours yeah totally that's that's sick, dude. I, I I definitely wouldn't have thought that. I mean, I guess that probably makes sense. Then maybe why they had had Interbike up there last too. Yeah, something exactly. along that line. Seems like Interbike's dead now, though, huh? I think they put something out. They were like not doing it again, or
1: yeah, that's that's the rumor on the street. I mean, I guess they said it's not like dead for good, but it's dead until further notice, which I don't really know what that means. But yeah, it was kind of like an antiquated thing. I mean, it it made a lot more sense sort of before you know, good media platforms and everyone was so well connected, like back in the nineties, it made a lot of sense when these sort of brick and mortar shops would all go meet in one spot with all the manufacturers and place orders and talk about, you know, look for new brands. Like it, it made a lot more sense, um, sort of pre information internet era. Um, yeah. it didn't really evolve it. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think Sea Otter is probably going to take its place. That's what it feels like already. Cause that's like yeah. all the vendors are there, all the, you know, all the Fans are there, all the industry's there. It's a lot more fun. It's outdoor. It's in a beautiful area. So, so we'll see what happens at Interbike. But I'm, I don't know. I'd rather go to Sea Otter any day than than go yeah. to. Vegas, but we'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah,
0: definitely. I, I mean, I, I'd say from being at Interbike, the only difference between that and Sea Otter was really like all these like weird things that, as a consumer, you don't really think about. So they have totally. like you know all the guys that are selling batteries to the e-bike companies or the like like people that are like making bearings for them and stuff like that you're like i don't know like but uh as far as like the the rest of it i mean there was definitely way more of a presence at sea otter and um you guys were there as well and so did you guys have a booth no, we didn't. We never. We've never done a booth at
1: something like that. Um, a whole bunch of us just went out and just to film a little content and meet with different brands and stuff. And I mean, a bunch of our staff actually went out and raced. Right. So a whole bunch of those guys went out early and camped and raced and partied and had fun and. I was a little bit more on like the business agenda. So I just kind of spent two days straight, just like back to back meetings with uh, with different brands and stuff, um, which was cool. Like I, I always enjoy that and it's the bike industry. Like yeah, see shit in the bike industry is is fun. Like you're hanging out, drinking a beer, talking about new bike parts. It's not really like
0: work. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly.
1: So, so it's cool. So we didn't have a booth, but a whole bunch of us were out there and, and we'll continue doing that and, and going out every year. And um, I don't know if we'll ever do a booth or not, but we'll, we'll yeah. always be there and having fun.
0: You guys have an interesting way or you have an interesting way of running your business. At least Um, it it really resonated with me because I've always I've had some different like online websites and stuff like that. And I'm always like kind of throwing my humor into that in what is some spaces a little too fucking serious in my mind. So like where you guys send out an email whenever, you know, somebody makes an order and it's like our highly trained hamster has packed this into the box. And like, just you guys definitely have a good sense of humor, but I think at the same time, like providing a high level of customer service, what, um, what was it that kind of like made you feel like that was the right way to go?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, um, man, there's kind of a lot of different things, but for me, I just, I've always been sort of obsessed with customer experience and always trying to do like run a business very just operationally excellent is really important to me, but also do it fun, right? I mean, a lot of everything sort of I do in my life is fun. And the reason I opened Worldwide Cyclery was because I thought it would be fun. And (laughs) I'm, I'm like a goofy guy by nature and like to joke around and, you know, just laugh a lot. So and it's the bike industry right i mean i don't i'm we're not in the insur- we're not selling you insurance right we're not selling you you know stocks so it's like okay we're in the bike industry let's run a great business and give the best possible experience we can but like let's have fun with this like let's joke around let's make people laugh let's put our own humor in there um, let's just goof around and like enjoy ourselves but at the same time run a business like operationally well and to me that's more fun right like business for me can be something that's really fun it's like fun to help people, you know, be stoked on bikes and ride bikes more. It's fun to like build a team of internal staff. That's all passionate about riding and, you know, loves the people they work with and their, you know, environment they're in. And like, I just think business can be very fun. If like you look at it that way and and you mix in fun things like that, like, goofy YouTube videos or, you know, goofy copy and the emails and, and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. i like laughing. I like making people laugh. And I think business in general should just be more fun and more optimistic than it, than it t- tends to be. Right. Like you said, like a lot of things are just too fucking serious. And
0: like- yeah. Right. I think you can have a good time and still be successful. Yeah. You know? And I think that, agree. I think that people forget that, you know, and, and that's unfortunate um, for those of you guys that don't follow their Instagram channel or their YouTube channel, you could definitely go check that out. On April Fools, they uh, did a whole whole line of where they were shutting down no more selling bike parts and they were going to go full 100% into the kazoo market. And you had a bunch of kazoos It looked like that were made. I think you were selling them on the site. So are they still available? You you didn't sell out yet?
1: Yeah. So we we still have them, right? So it was (laughs) we're closing worldwide cyclery and opening worldwide cutlery and kazoo. And uh, that, that one took a lot of effort to pull off. Yeah, we did actually inventory those products. We had sporks made and laser engraved from Alibaba, like nice, like actually pretty nice aluminum sporks that have worldwide cutlery and kazoos like stamped on them. Uh, <laughs> we got kazoos, like we put them in the inventory system. We got them on the site. We made the video, like we created the email templates. Like we, we put a whole nine yards into this ridiculous April Fool's joke. And we never actually ever told anyone like, oh, it's April Fool's. Um, And a lot, I mean, I think we woke up the next day to like 250 emails of people that thought it was serious or like, are you guys actually closing? Like, what about the order I just placed? Um, And like, so those people were like, yeah, that was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Most people got it. There was was a decent (laughs) amount of people that didn't get it that we had to kind of say, yeah, that was a joke. That uh, happened. It was <laughs> it was still available for sale. If you want to go buy a kazoo or a spork. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought that was great, man. I really, really enjoyed it. I think you guys did something too. I want to say there was some kind of like drinking competition with a uh, with some like crappy bikes or something like that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, we did. So we did a, a fifty dollar bike race. So it was there's a true there's a trail locally called Suicide Trail. Have you ever ridden that by by chance? I
0: don't think I did ride that one. Well
1: you gotta come next time you're in town, come check it out. Um it's pretty gnarly. It's like a gnarly, super rocky, long downhill trail. That's like typically like anywhere from like six to ten minutes downhill of just like pummeling rocks and you know, just, just gnarly downhill track. Um and this was so chance here. Uh, Chance Sealy, one of the guys at the shop. I came back from a trip, and he's like, "Dude, I have this brilliant idea for this YouTube video." And I was like, "Awesome, let's hear it." And he's like, "We're gonna get fifty-dollar bikes. That's the budget, and race them down Suicide." And I was like, "That's fucking brilliant. Let's do it." <laughs> uh, so again, it was like a big production. Like, so we did that. I think seven people raced. Um, the budget was fifty dollars. You had, you know, like you could buy the bike wherever. Everyone chose Craigslist. So you had $50. You couldn't upgrade your bike. So like you just had to ride the $50 bike. Like there was no there was no cheating. Um, and yeah, and, th- and then the guys raced. They did a like a, a Le Mans start uphill race. And it was like a timed uphill and then a timed downhill. And then like an omnium for both of them. And we did a podium in the park. And, you know, yeah. like people were winning hot dogs as prizes for getting on the podiums and having <laughs> shots. And yeah, it was good, man. That was another just like fun. You know, that's like what we do for company outings is shit like that. And then like, yeah. YouTube and it's good
0: fun. That's good stuff, man. So, um, tell, tell me about like, the, how does that you play out for your, your channel and your business? Like, are those views like equating into, to people purchasing things or is it just like really just fun for you guys? Or how, how, do you, do you even look at the analytics that way?
1: Yeah, it's kind of tough, right? I mean, so obviously we need to run a profitable business so we can survive and and continue doing this. Um, And I've always had this outlook on business where it's a little bit more qualitative than quantitative. And what I mean by that is like stuff like the April Fool's joke, the $50 bike race, um, and most of the other YouTube videos we put out. Are either you know entertainment that we know is going to appeal to our audience and and they're going to enjoy, or it's like we're bringing value, right? Like we have a lot of knowledge at our shop when it comes to. You know just what fits what comparing different products reviewing products warranty rates on different brands like we have a lot of knowledge and data that like we want to just talk about Um, and we've kind of put ourselves out there and found out that like that knowledge is really helpful right I mean so we made a video of which Max's tire is right for you and that's got a ton of views and people really found a lot of value in that like you know, helping them understand it. And like, we're not doing it with this like direct intention, like, Oh, we need to drive sales. We're doing it because it's like, look, we have a certain amount of budget and we're going to use it to have fun with and bring value to the bike industry. So it's like, what knowledge can we like put out there on YouTube and blog articles and hopefully help educate people? Like what bottom bracket fits their bike, how to set up Crank Brother's You know uh cleats in ridiculous detail so it's like we're just trying to you know take the knowledge we have and put it out there and and help people and help the industry and we're not like looking at it as just like trying to nitpick a direct correlation to sales it's just kind of like if you do the right thing you help people you put knowledge out in the industry you have fun you know hopefully that like comes back and those people realize like hey i like these guys they're helpful i want to shop with them um so yeah that's kind of how we look at those channels and then We look at the other stuff as like a little bit more businessy, right? Like how, you know, we're opening locations across the country so we can ship stuff faster, right? Like we're constantly trying to work on the website so we can like um, make it easier for you to find and discover parts that you want or you're looking for. And then staffing people and training people so when customers are calling and emailing, they can talk to these bike nerds that like actually know how to help them fit stuff on their bike. And like we just want to support people having fun on bikes and like the best we can do that is like what we kind of – put our front foot forward on. And, and yeah, it's, it's working, right? Like the company's growing, people like us, we have amazing reviews. Like something I'm really proud of now is we do have really good reviews that sort of dominate all the competitors in the industry of people just being happy. Like these guys helped me out, they did the right thing. They helped me figure out what fit what, all that sort of stuff. So I don't know, it's like, kind of like a holistic business strategy per se.
0: Yeah, I can definitely say that you guys, you know, compared to before i dealt with you guys you know in the past and when i'm saying i mean historically you know you would call a kind of a online bike retailer and if you didn't really know exactly what you wanted that's about as far as you were getting and with you guys it's like well actually i wanted to get the dropper but i this is the bike i have i I don't know what my seat post diameter is yeah you know and you guys are good at really like doing that and i think you know, I'm I'm gonna answer my own question. I'm gonna let you come back and, and fill in the gaps. But I think that is the value that you bring because there's a lot of people out there that want to buy the cheapest thing that they can like part price that they can get. Yep. And and you guys aren't always the cheapest place in town. Totally. But but that's what you do bring and that has a lot of value to it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, what is what is your take on, you know, the, the people out there just, you know, looking for the best bargain all the time. I'm sure you get people kind of hitting you guys up and being like, well, will you price match, you know, Joe in Nebraska that has these yeah. on sale, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, totally. You know, I mean, it's uh, there's nothing wrong with hunting for the best price. I mean, we all have hard-earned money and want it to go as far as we can. But um, yeah, I mean, our, our business philosophy, you know, especially um, since day one is always catered towards like how can we build a great customer experience to where we can have a good website? We can help people with, you know, valuable insight in terms of like the content that we produce and the people we have behind the phones and the emails when you're, when you're communicating with us. So like, we want to provide that like white glove, valuable experience. And, and some people absolutely love and appreciate that. And others, you know, it's not for everyone, right? Some people maybe are just super knowledgeable. They already know what they need. They don't need help at all. They're just, they happen to have it all figured out and they just want to get the cheapest price. Um, that's not really who is probably going to love us the most, um, or at least shop with us the most, you know, cause we're, we're really going for that like valuable approach of like, how can we help people and figure stuff out and then provide them a great experience. And, and that does sometimes turn out to be like, yeah, we do need to have a little bit higher price than some of the competitors out there. And, and the whole pricing thing, man, I mean, we could probably talk about that for multiple hours it's it's pretty confusing in the bike industry because you have a lot of small shops out there and you have just weird scenarios like you said joe Nebraska, right like as somehow has like a distributor account and gets something at wholesale and is selling it for like a microscopic margin because he has no overhead so he can and then like any real legitimate business could clearly never match that price because like we have overhead to cover Um, and other value that we can bring to the table, you know, that's, that's worth the extra dime. And then you have a lot of the brands going to today, which is called map, right? Minimum advertised pricing. So there's regulations around like what things need to sell for. And that's actually a really good thing. Like, again, it's controversial a little bit, but, you would elaborate more on it you know it's it's more about protecting brick and mortar shops protecting the overall health of the industry and not commoditizing it right so if it's like if it's a commodity and you just want something and it's like who has the lowest price wins that ends up giving the consumers the worst experience where and then if it's like the brand say look here's a reasonable margin we're all going to make and maintain. And therefore we can talk about the product well, we can educate our customers well, we can take the time to do things like ship it for free or install it for free um, and help bike shops around the world stay in business um, and like collectively compete together and compete on service and value and not compete on price. So, Yeah. Long, long topic, but yeah, hopefully that answered your question, Phil. No,
0: think. totally. I mean, I think you also know that you're getting what you're asking for when you order from a company like you. Yeah. I mean, I've ordered um, like Ice Tech Rotors before and they didn't come in retail packaging. They're in like some bag, you know, like vacuum sealed bag that looks like it might be from Shimano. I don't know. You know, and then you start questioning. You're like, I don't even know what I really got, you know, and then. God forbid if anything's ever wrong with something when you get it from someplace like that, because more more times than not, it's it's more of a pain in the ass to try to get your money back than it is just to eat it and buy it again.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, because a lot of that comes down to like warranty, right? Like if you buy from a legitimate shop, you know, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have a warranty, you know, it's going to come like a real authentic, non counterfeit, non gray market product. Um, you know, there's going to be someone to answer the call if you have an issue with it or an installation question. So like there's a lot of value in buying from like a good qualified retailer, be it your local shop or someone online. Um, but that's just someone that has a reputation and has reviews and has, you know, sort of a long-standing history of doing good business, as opposed to like finding some random eBay account. Yeah. Um, that looks like it's super cheap. Like there's there's definitely a lot of value in buying from someone reputable, but that's kind of like anything. And especially as with bike parts, just because it's a technical product, um, there's always a possibility of warranty or manufacturing defect. Um, so yeah, it definitely, you know, I definitely think that, but you know I'm sure there's some crazy price hunters out there that are just saying, fuck you to me right now. And right, right, I'm sure to go in Nebraska for cheaper. <laughs> you know,
0: you know I, cheaper. I think that what you guys are really doing though is like bridging that gap of like kind of like being that local shop with the caveat that you're not local, you know. What I mean, like you're really giving that full-rounded service that you know, you know. Unfortunately, bike shops are, are up against that now, you know. So here's somebody that's online that, and you're giving that though, and that's that's the big difference. You're not just like like a, a conveyor belt that's just churning out pieces of product for somebody that asked for it you're giving them that help to figure out which one it is that they need. I mean, I know I've had conversation with one of your guys before like, hey, this is the kind of conditions I'm riding. What kind of tire do you think? Or I'm stuck between this tire and that tire. Yeah, I can post about it on, you know, some forum or something like that. But you guys, all your guys are, you guys are all shredders. You're not like, you know, just bullshitting that you're into bikes, you know?
1: totally. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I, I appreciate the kind words. I'm glad it's worked out for you. I mean, we, we definitely try hard. I mean, I, I think that's just like, I'm, you know, I'm a competitive person. A lot of the guys are here and like, we just do our best to provide a good service and like, just try to like kick ass in the industry. Like, how do we have fun? How do we support people having fun on bikes? Like, how do we enjoy ourselves while doing it? And Like, how do we like, just have a good time selling bike parts and riding bikes and, and making friends? And if we can create that great in-store experience, recreated online, then awesome. And if we continue to create that with our brick and mortar stores, like, cool. It's like, it's even more of a win-win if you happen to live close by.
0: So do you guys build custom bikes that you'll ship or do you only do that like out of your shop or?
1: We do, yeah, so it depends on the brand. Some brands are cool with shipping their bikes, other brands are not. Um, but yeah, so we'll do total custom builds. A lot of those do go through brick and mortar. As you'd imagine, like, um, you know, this day and age, like what we've found out is like people buying bikes, like $5,000 plus mountain bikes, actually uh, most of them really like the in-store experience. They really like to come in, demo multiple bikes, talk about them, you know, get set up on the suspension, think about it a lot. And that's what frankly we tell people to do. Like if you're going to buy an expensive new mountain bike, you know, Go ride it. Go ride different brands. Go see if if there's any noticeable differences to you. Go see if you love it, if you hate it, if it feels good for the trails you're riding. So a lot of the bikes that we do, be it just stock bikes or custom builds, do more, Most of those do go through um, the retail stores. But of course, there's people who are you know already way down the path of like knowing what's good and what's not, and and just they have no problem buying complete bikes and custom build bikes over you know just over email and phone calls. So yeah, it kind of depends on the customer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's always hard for me when people ask me my opinion on certain bikes. I just had somebody the other day ask me between, you know, the Bronson and something else. I can't remember what it was. And it, and it was like, you know, I can tell you what my preference is, but even between me and my buddy next to me that has ridden the same bikes, yeah, we don't feel the same, man. And that's like, that's it. it I really don't like having somebody ask me that question because I feel like, dude, like one out of a hundred people may, may agree with me. You you know what I mean? Like, I don't want you to go buy this bike and then freaking be down the road sitting on somebody else's bike and be like, what the fuck? That guy steered me the wrong way. And it's like, dude, you got to go sit on that shit yourself, man. And especially with the price of bikes nowadays, like I I feel bad because sometimes guys will be like, well, you know where I live. That's just no option." no option to go try it anywhere. And then at that point it's like, okay, well I can tell you the best I can tell you, but otherwise, man, that I just, I, I've had, you know, bikes that I thought I was gonna be in love with and whenever, like by reading all the specs and whenever I sat on them it was like, oh, that's not my favorite, you know?
1: Yeah, dude, absolutely. I mean, it's like something I talk a lot about in our YouTube channel and just in general is personal preference is huge when it comes to bikes and um and it's like has a lot to do with where you ride how you ride all of that sort of stuff and the cool thing is that we're actually in a pretty amazing state of the industry where if you get any like reputable brand's bike that's like $5000 or more like the thing's going to be awesome like you're going to have yeah. time on it
0: so yeah you're definitely not going to be like oh man i got burned yeah you know? <laughs>
1: yeah no way there's so many good bikes out there like old all the suspension platforms are you know have subtle differences to them and like you know there's little things here and there of course that you can nitpick but at the end of the day like you know don't go into decision paralysis trying to figure out what bike is right for you you know if you can ride them awesome if you can't like just, you know, you're, you're going to get a bike and, and you're going to love it. And it's going to make you smile just as much as the next one. And like, most of us ride bikes for fun anyway. So right. yeah, don't you gotta, get caught up in it.
0: You got to remind people of that every once in a while, like, yeah, dude, this is true. for fun, man. You know, yeah, <laughs> like,
1: absolutely.
0: sometimes out on the trail, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, like, I like to use Strava just to see how I've done in the past, but I'm not a Strava person that's like out there trying to freaking kom i mean the only koms i'm going to win is like how fast we drank the beer at the end of the ride but <laughs> um, like some guys get out and they just start hammering it's like dude that's not why i'm here man like i'm here to have a good time to like not be like this is to relieve stress not to make yeah. it you know
1: for sure i know it's it's cool i mean everyone's different right i mean you have you know, there's cyclists from all different walks, right? Some people just like you just want to go out and have fun and enjoy themselves. And and I feel like the mountain bike industry has evolved a lot more towards that style of rider um, in the last five years, which is great. I think it's also why so many people have switched away from clipless pedals and gone to flat pedals, because they're like, you know what, I'm not racing. Why the fuck am I riding these clipped in pedals? I don't feel comfortable with, you know, so it's, I think there's a lot of people that are, you know, mountain biking is becoming fun and people are remembering that it is for fun. But of course there's still out there, you know, there's still guys out there that are getting out there because they, they do just want to hammer and they want to push themselves and push their endurance limits and, you know, to ease their own. I mean, But that's what's cool. Like your ride is, everyone has a different way of riding and a different way of having fun on the bike. And that's kind of what it makes it so, you know, just, you know, agile, right? Like you can hop on a bike and do whatever you want. You can go hard and, you know, burn your eyeballs out, or you can go out and, you know, mess around with your buddies for an hour and then drink a bunch of beers and like, right. you got a good time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely both sides to that, you know? And I think, you know, that's, that's what I enjoy about mountain biking. You know, the, the group, generically speaking, the group of people that mountain bike are, are all pretty laid back, usually have good time type of people. So yep. I enjoy that, um, that, that group of people instead of, Some other groups of bike riding people that wear spandex and. I, I will, you know, I can bag on them a little bit, even though I went on a road ride with the lady this morning. So, I mean, it is what it is, but uh, I am one of those guys that you always know is a road or is a mountain biker when he's on his road bike. Cause me too. Me I'm, too. I'm still wearing a baggy shirt and baggy yeah. shorts. I'm like, I don't give a fuck, dude. Yeah. Like, You're <laughs> not, I'm not gaining any seconds by looking like a sausage and you definitely don't want to see this fat fuck in those clothes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally agree bad i mean i
1: i have a road bike but it's not a road bike it's like uh it's a pure cycles it's it's a track bike so it's single speed with a front brake but it has skinny tires so i think it's a road bike but i have yeah. bars on it and i ride it in a baggy short so like is yeah. that a road bike i don't really know and i definitely look like a mountain biker when i'm on the thing so
0: i started like that i bought a a, a single speed just to commute to work on it was like 16 miles each way and uh I was just like, well, here I can spend like 500 bucks on this thing and burn more calories so I can drink more beer. So this seems like a win win situation. (laughs) (laughs) Then the lady started wanting to like ride actual like hills and shit. And I was like, well, I can only go so far with this like 48 16 setup that I have going on here. So totally. (laughs) So I got a cross bike and then I just switched the tires every once in a while. If I'm we're going to do like some big like long ride, I'll put slicks on otherwise just. Fool around with that. It's it's really a fun time for bikes because there's there's so like you really have a tool for each each type of ride that you want to yeah, do. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: You know, when I first started in the '90s, it was like it was a mountain bike meant anything that didn't have skinny tires. Yeah, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: It was basically like still the same geometry as the road bikes. You know, it was, maybe it was a little different, but man, it, it wasn't much. And compared to So that would have been a hard, you know, a fully rigid bike compared to like the Santa Cruz chameleon that I have is like, this thing's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Like
0: I, I can't freaking believe with the plus tires on it. And the way that the geometry is like, I'm smashing stuff that I do on my Bronson. And aside from my back being more tired at the end of it, like I'm still going just as fast. Yeah. Yeah. What's some of the products that you're pretty stoked about right now?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, kind of what you said, it's, it's awesome how many different bikes there are right now. And you just have something for everything, which is, which is killer. And like, I think what I'm happy about is, you know, uh, there's just no complaints, which is probably good or bad if you want to talk like economics of the bike industry, but there's not really many complaints, right? Like when you go out and ride your mountain bike nowadays, granted, it's like, you know, pretty expensive bike um, there's no huge complaints, like bike shift. Good. The brakes work good. The suspension platforms work good. The actual suspension valving and everything works good. The tires stick, you know, like sure. You still have some things like, yeah, flat tires. I don't know if anyone's ever going to solve that problem, hopefully. Um, but you know, like bikes are just fucking good. And that's, that's really fun. I mean, and I grew up riding bikes, always thinking like, God damn, I wish I had, You know, I wish this chain didn't fall off with this stupid front derailleur. Goddamn, now I have a chain guide, but I don't have like a big enough cassette in the back. Um, Or like, man, these brakes suck after like 10 minutes on a downhill. Like there's (laughs) always been complaints. And nowadays bikes like of all kinds and a lot of the components are just so good that it's fun. It, It makes a sport, you know, just more enjoyable. And it's just killer to like see the industry in a state of like what I call kind of like a state of optimization. Like bikes are good right now
0: it's re- um, really interesting starting to see like the cities kind of wrap their arms around mountain biking as well where you're yeah. seeing you know like these little like places that had no in no influx of of money coming into them before now just being you know bombarded with mountain bikers all year because they built a good trail system there yeah you, you know what i mean and it's like that's really cool to like see that influence that this sport has it's a lot of fun um, I know you said you wanted to get going here and and we're we're coming up close here, probably like another 10 minutes. So you had told me you were trying to get a bike dialed in before you go. What what are you what are you working on?
1: Yeah, so um so we just linked up with Revel Bikes, which is like a new brand out of Colorado, and they're making just phenomenal stuff. So it's not their first time. The guy founded it, Adam Miller, he's the guy responsible for Borealis and Y Cycle. So he's like a pretty long time bike industry dude and they license their suspension platform from Canfield. So it's CBF, which is like has a ton of weight behind that name and that patented suspension design. Um, so we're pumped, like we're just super stoked to like bring that bike on as like a, um, just something we can sell and having you know, have demos and everything. So, um, so I'm, I'm stoked. I'm actually heading out to Colorado to, to go visit Yeti, Revel, um, and RockShox Colorado location, um, next week. Uh, but yeah, so the bike right now, like I, we have a Revel Rascal demo bike that, uh, yeah, I gotta like throw my pedals on, get the suspension dialed in and like get out for a ride on the thing. So yeah,
0: I, was, I was up it
1: between bikes.
0: I was up in uh, Bend, Oregon, like two weeks ago, filming a project with Project 321 and uh, Night Composites. And um, the owner, founder uh, of Project 321 is buddies with the guy that's one of the like, maybe one of the investors or something like that in Revel. And so he had one there, and I, I'm telling you that bike was sick, man. It looked really good. Yeah, like you know, like some bikes you see in person, you're like, man, that thing just looks sharp. I was pretty impressed. He has, I don't know which model it was. It's kind of like a teal color that he had.
1: Yeah, it's probably the Rail, the 27.5 one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it was a. It looked looked sharp, and the guy that was riding it was good too. So I mean, it's like <laughs> he was definitely doing making the, making the bike look good. That's for sure.
1: Nice.
0: So um, where would you like to see Worldwide Cyclery in about another five years?
1: Oh, he hit me with endless business questions today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I think we're having a ton of fun with it. I mean, again, like the the reason we're in business uh, is support people having fun on bikes and have fun ourselves just being in business um, in the bike industry. So we just want to keep growing it and having fun, you know? And, and, and our thing is like, I always look at business as like, how do we create great win-wins, right? Like how do we do something that can help us survive and thrive as a business, but can also be like a major benefit to the, you know, the cycling industry as a whole and the people who buy bike parts and, um, and ride bikes. So it's like, that's what we're always looking for is like, you know, what can we do that is a win-win for everyone? Um, so yeah, next five years, you know, I, I think we're just going to keep hammering out. We, we're we definitely doing some interesting stuff now or a bit like bridging the gap between media and retail. Um, no retailer's ever really had like a true brand or a, an opinion or influence or even just like sizable media channels being like just, you know, blog traffic and, uh, and YouTube channel, and Instagram, stuff like that. Like no retailer's ever done that. Historically, they're just kind of like places to buy shit. They're not like valuable people that can tell you about products. Um, So we're kind of like bridging that gap where it's like you have the big segregation between like Vital and Pink Bike and MTBRs or media outlets and then you have like your huge retailers over here and they have your brand somewhere else. And like no one's really ever put any of those together. Um, And I've just seen like, man, if you do it authentically and transparently, a retailer has like an endless supply of ways to create good media content because like we always have these products like we talk to people constantly that are actually buying them and using them and what they're thinking and breaking them um and we're doing it ourselves so like we're just going to keep trying to like maybe push more on media and, and have fun with that and and see what value we can sort of bring to the industry there and and have it like, you know, just be a win-win. Like how does it, how does like talking about bikes more and like having a great media presence, like how can that benefit the brands we sell, the people we sell product to our business um, and just like the industry as a whole. So I think we're just going to keep hammering away at new fun stuff like that. And uh, yeah, keep trying to just like be the best retailer out there and the best media outlet out there and uh, keep having fun, man. Simple as that.
0: Well, Jeff, I think you're smashing it at that. You know, when I first heard of you guys, like one of the, the very, very first things that I heard in the context of the conversation was, man, these guys, their customer service is really good. Like they really are taking care of people. And then as you're starting to like grow your social media side with your business, I think what you said there, like it's hundred percent true. And what you're doing is, is really awesome. I think you see it now as well in other ways that, you have people out there trying to copy what you're doing yeah. and like, you know, you, you're you leading by example, you know, and, and that's, you know, on one hand, yeah, it's like, all right, that's my idea. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, you know what, we can all do this too. And, and at the end of the day, the the, the shop that's doing it and really like being authentic and taking care of people, they're the ones that are going to stand up. You know, I um, appreciate you squeezing, squeezing me in here um, before you go out to your ride. And I really had a great time chatting with you. Um, everybody that that's been on the the live stream, thanks a lot for tuning in with us. Next week we'll have Ryan Leach here. We're gonna talk about some some bike riding skills. I appreciate any of the super chats that came up while while we were talking, um, remember to subscribe and support the channel. However you want to do that. If you want to go to Patreon pay for me to get fat and drunk, that would be great. If you otherwise just want to buy a shirt or a hat, go to shopbot.biker.com. I put some new stuff up there the other day. And uh, other than that, just uh, hit the like button. If you didn't like what you saw, hit the dislike button, the thumbs down, just hit it twice, and then you'll be good to go. If you like (laughs) the podcast, go ahead and swing by wherever you listen to your podcast and uh, leave a review. Uh, Five stars only. The rest of the buttons don't work. So I appreciate that as well. Thanks again, Jeff. I don't know if there's anything you want to say to anybody before we take off, but.
1: No, well, thanks for having me, Robert. Thanks for being awesome and and making good, funny-ass content. (laughs) the more cool humor we can have in the mountain bike scene the better so uh, thank you for that
0: (laughs) right on man well you take care and everybody have a good one remember one thing and one thing only it only takes a bike to be a biker get the fuck out and be one bitches